welcome to the Stop, Hop, and Drop podcast brought to you by The Runner Sports. My name is Danny Bennett. I'm here via Skype with Kyle Gearholtz. Kyle, how we doing? We're good. This is a, this is a different off-site type of podcast. I'm excited. I know, man. We're doing the remote pod. I'm in Orlando. Kyle's back in Michigan. And we're going to talk about some trade rumors. We're going to talk about the Knicks. We're going to talk about the All-Star game. We're going to talk about some of the, the bottom seeds that might have a chance to make a run in the playoffs. So we're going to start with the Knicks vacancy. One of the writers on the Runner Sports, Trevor Utley, wrote a piece about the takeaways from the first game with Kurt Rambis as the head coach. What do you think, Kyle? Who do you think they should go with coaching-wise? Where are they at? What do you think? I don't... I really couldn't narrow it down to one candidate, to be honest. I, uh, from just some of the research I had done, you know, Tom Thibodeau's name obviously came up. It's going to come up in every coaching vacancy. Yeah. Um, but a lot of different names: Patrick Ewing, Isaiah Thomas. Um, some people even mentioned bringing back David Blatt into the NBA. Oh no, that would be say. such a disaster in New York. Yeah. New York would exactly. eat him alive. Yeah. Um, but honestly, I don't hate the idea of Luke Walton. Yeah, that's come up quite a bit too. Obviously, as a Phil guy, I think that'll be their yeah. number one choice. I would assume so. Uh, yeah, like you said, being a Phil guy, um, Vinny Del Negro could still be an option. Oh God! You, know, you never know. It just <laughs> it it depends on uh, who Phil. It, it all goes through Phil and his confidence level with each of these candidates. Uh, but Luke Walton and Tom Thibodeau, even Brian Shaw, would probably be my top three. Yeah, I like all of that. That seems to be the buzz as well. I hope that if Phil can't get one of those guys, that he doesn't stand by it. You know what I mean? I hope he is open to just getting the best coach in there and not necessarily bringing in a coach that is just going to run the triangle and run things the way Phil wants to do. Because that has to be frustrating for a coach coming in to basically have his offense preset, like how it's going to work. So it's almost handcuffing what he's able to do as a coach. Personally, I want to see Tom Thibodeau in there. I think that would be great. Thibodeau's an East Coast guy. He's been he said in the past that it's a job that he would want. He would make Porzingis a monster. He would turn him into just a workhorse machine. He's already a hard worker. And that's who they're building around there. That's what this team is. They really don't have a ton of other assets besides that. Maybe they trade Carmelo, maybe they don't. But either way, I would love to see Tom Thibodeau as the head coach of the Knicks next season. Yeah, I don't really care who he... I mean, if whether it's the Knicks or, or the Suns or anybody, I, I like Tom Thibodeau. I think he kind of got the short end of the stick in Chicago. Sure. Uh, he's, he's a great coach. I really want to see him back somewhere, somewhere he can succeed. Yeah. Cool guy, too. Did you listen to his interview on the Simmons podcast? I have not listened to it yet. Uh, must but I know listen. everybody... Absolutely yeah, must ev- listen. Everybody loves him. Nobody, I haven't heard a bad thing about him, especially since he's been fired. You know, everybody's, you know, hopeful for him. And, you know, he can turn a lot of these teams around, hopefully. Some people forget he was an assistant on that doc team that won in Boston, too. Uh, Obviously, you know, hasn't won at a high level as a head coach, but knows what it takes and knows how, what a team needs to look like to compete at a championship level, having spent all that time with Boston. I, I want to see him back in the league. I, I, I just uh, just one of those guys that I enjoy as a head coach, just yelling. All he cares about is basketball. He's probably the type of guy that just like sleeps at the gym, doesn't doesn't have any kind of regard for like his own health. Like he just 
<laughs> eats a burger and just like goes back to work. You know what I mean? Like, love it. Uh, next up, it's that time of the year. It's one week away from the trade deadline. And you got to think that moves will be made probably right towards the deadline like last year. Maybe not in the flurrying craziness that was the deadline last year. But what we're going to do here, Kyle, is we've got five different players that from what I've been reading and listening to are, are likely to be playing for different teams on the other end of the trade deadline. And Kyle and I have both put together trades for where we think they might go or, or maybe just some off-the-wall crazy trades that might not happen but are kind of fun. So first player is going to be Markeith Morris. Uh, I'll let you go first. I have a I have I want to talk about Marquis for a minute, but I'll let you do your yeah, trade I, first. I know you've got I, yeah I know you've got your little monologue on Marquis. <laughs> uh, this this uh this segment is actually tough to get going for me because there's a few teams that are like going to be hyperactive at this trade deadline. So their name you know these teams came up a ton you know the Raptors and Celtics especially yeah um, in all these trade rumors. With Morris, uh, speaking of Toronto, one of the things I was looking at is uh, rookie DeLon Wright mm-hmm. for the Raptors and uh, their 2017 first-round pick for Marquise. Okay. Be- um, it just makes – there wasn't a ton of places for a guy like this, especially after what happened last night, which I know you'll get into. Um, he doesn't really seem like that good of a teammate. But, you know, the Raptors – if there was a landing spot for him outside of Phoenix, I think it's going to be Toronto for right in that, that first round pick, uh, not this year, but next year. It just, if there's a logical choice, it would be that for me. I think, I think that's feasible. It's a team that could use him, uh, from a conceptual standpoint. However, from a chemistry standpoint, the chemistry in Toronto just seems to be so good. And you throw a corrosive guy like Mark Eve Morris into it and it could just explode. And, uh, you know, not spiral them out of relatively where they are at, but, but especially inhibit the uh, ceiling that they have as a team. Marky Morris is a crazy person. <laughs> he got in a fight with a teammate last night on the bench, and then on the way out, cursed out a Suns fan. So, I mean, his days in Phoenix are, are likely very numbered. Whatever team gets him could probably put together a deal similar to the one that you did. Just because he needs a change of scenery, like he needs to be off of that team, that that's gonna happen. Um, yeah. So that that could happen. And Toronto, I mean, that's a frightening lineup. If you think about Markeith Morris on Toronto, then I mean, that's a team to me that could compete with Cleveland for sure. Uh, my trade for Markeith, I put him and Mirza Toledovic, who I'm a huge fan of, uh, to the Detroit Pistons. For Brandon Jennings and Urson Ilyasova. So, Marcus is happy in Detroit. And I think, I hope, that perhaps he could convince Marquis that it's a good situation. They'd be playing together again. Obviously, they're a lot happier when they're playing together. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this amount of... this Having both Morrises on a squad is enough to frighten any GM, head coach, management team whatsoever. Uh, But again, from a conceptual standpoint, the Pistons could potentially have their long-term four uh, in place. Uh, He's a a really talented guy. And obviously when he wants to play, as soon as Hornacek got 
fired, who he obviously had issues with. Yeah, disagreements, <laughs> to say the least. Disagreements. He went and put down 30-11 and 11 in Toronto, and you know, in front of the Toronto crowd, in front of the Toronto management team, they probably saw him and were like, okay, well, maybe this guy can play. Maybe that's somebody we want to play for us. Uh, yeah, <laughs> my only wish is that there was like a like a reality show following Markeith Morris this season. <laughs> maybe they split yeah. to Marcus in Detroit, you know, once in a while, something like that, but... That's what I was kind of going to bring up is is Markeith seems a little more dependent on Marcus as far as uh, a stability. Yeah. Mental stability. It seems like Marcus has been able to kind of adjust to uh, the change of scenery and a different lifestyle here in Detroit as to where Markeith is kind of throwing a little temper tantrum. And when he gets his way, he'll go out and ball. But right, you know, when he's not getting his way, he's going to he's going to throw a little fit. He's going to throw a tantrum. Yeah. Uh, and Marcus, it's, there's probably something to the fact that Marcus is in a more functional environment in Detroit, that things are positive and kind of looking up. We've talked on the last pod about how dysfunctional the Suns franchise can be at times. We liked Hornacek as a coach, but the front office has made a lot of interesting moves. And in this specific instance, they gave a, basically a team or a, 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 a deal to both Marcus and Markeith, and there was a handshake agreement that they would stay together, and then they trade Marcus to try to make room for LaMarcus Aldridge, and that obviously upset Markeith. Uh, so it's just a funny situation. Also, as a Detroit fan, this would be a hilariously entertaining situation to watch unfold with both of them as Detroit Pistons. Uh, do you... Have you followed the... <laughs> felony assault that they've been <laughs> charged with at all i haven't followed it um no not nearly as close as you have obviously um i i know it's a weird weird situation but i know it's bad for them too when i first heard about it it was kind of ambiguous because it was like oh they've been charged with assault it's like oh oh that's kind of a big deal you know so i guess yeah. in january of last year about a year ago they were at this uh basketball event in phoenix where they came across uh, a man who has been a, thrown out as a as a former mentor of of the two, but hadn't seen them in several years, and so allegedly, they, along with three other guys, beat this guy down in the alleyway basically, because this man sent an inappropriate text message to the Morris's mother a couple of weeks prior. And strangely, uh, there's a phone record of this man who was assaulted and had his nose broken and some other more minor injuries, nothing life-threatening. Uh, a phone exchange between himself and the Morris's mother where he calls the, the guys by their nicknames and explicitly lays out exactly what happened. And so it's obvious that, that they were there, that they yeah. were seen with these other men that... that uh, had assaulted this man. They're <laughs> it really sounds like they're guilty of beating yeah. the crap out of this guy. And the last news was in August when the Morris's defense attorneys filed a motion to have the case sent back to grand jury because there was false evidence presented that led to their indictments. But 
I don't know. It's it, it seems like a pretty cut and dry case unless we're in Manitowoc County, Wisconsin. I, I don't know what else to say. Yeah. Oh, man. So that's just entertaining. Okay. Big rant on the Markeith and Marcus saga. But There's enough to talk about. I know. It's pretty funny. But, yeah, I had him going to the Pistons and then uh, packaging Toledovich, too, who I think is just a, an awesome four for how the NBA is set up. He can really shoot. It'd be a great deal for the Pistons. And, obviously, like we said, Markeith just needs to move one way or another. Next guy is Ryan Anderson. Sorry for ranting. Uh, who you got him going to? Uh, talk about a perfect four for the Pistons. Yeah. Uh, but I did not go that way, actually. Okay. Uh, I went Evan Turner and any one of the myriad of picks that Boston has acquired from the Nets uh, for Ryan Anderson. I like that. I think that'd be they a don't good have move. Anybody. Yeah, they don't really have um, that many stretch the four. I mean, Kelly Olenek is going to be Kelly Olenek. Um, he has a jumper, but not like Anderson. I think Anderson's gonna do, could do a lot for that offense um, and help out, take some of the load off Isaiah Thomas and everything, and kind of talk about, you know, we talked a couple weeks ago about, you know, maybe Isaiah Thomas is a placeholder, maybe he's someone they keep around, uh, but Ryan Anderson can kind of answer a lot of questions and help improve that offense from the perimeter especially. I like that. I, I hadn't really considered that, but I think that'd be a good move. Uh, hopefully there'd be a wink-wink going on that the, that he would re-sign long-term with Boston. Yeah. Uh, but one way or another, the Pelicans are looking to move him because they've already got about, you know, 130, 140 million tied up with Anthony Davis, plus like the 50 that's tied up with Omer Ashik's awful deadweight contract. So that they're not looking to put more money into their front court in all likelihood. They're just trying to get something for him. I had him going to Toronto. And in exchange, they would get uh, Patrick Patterson, James Johnson, Anthony Bennett, hopefully salvage something out of that. And then the Toronto has this year's Los Angeles Clippers first-round pick, so they throw that in as well. Okay. So there's something for the future, uh, at least for New Orleans. Uh, but no, I think uh, he'd be a great fit for Toronto. Obviously, if you're adding another stretch four, like we talked about with Markeith, that, that lineup, that rotation is just really, really good. And if you just put him in instead of Patrick Patterson, who's mostly taking threes anyway, he's going to hit him at a higher clip. He's a little bigger body. Uh, seems like it be a pretty good fit there. Um, yeah, so all in all, the, the Raptors need one of these two stretch fours. Yeah, it'd be nice, at least. They're, they're pretty darn good right now. I mean, they've been winning a lot yeah. of games, uh, but... Again, if you're going to try to compete and make a real run at, the, at Cleveland, then you probably do need another piece or two. Danilo Gallinari. What do you think, Kyle? Uh, straight up for Greg McGraw. Interesting. To the Bucks. Interesting. So that allows the Bucks to run a little more small ball. Uh, the uh, Denver could put Fareed alongside Monroe, which... Not a lot of shooting, so that might not work. But uh, interesting. What's your what's your take? What's your uh, thoughts on that? You know, it's kind of similar to what you said. I think the Bucks kind of come out on top on that. Uh, but I just feel like Greg Monroe still hasn't really found um, his stride. He has been scoring a little bit more with the Bucks than he was uh, with the Pistons. But I think Gallinari fits that 
Bucks system a lot. There's a lot of untouchables um, in Milwaukee. I was looking over, you know, just the way the the front office views that team and, you know, Parker and the Greek freak. Like, they, you know, you're not getting anywhere near those guys. So you add one more piece. I think it improves the Bucks. And if not, you know, a better uh, front court guy, they get another trade piece in Denver. So I, I don't know where Denver's going. I don't know the direction that the Nuggets want to go because yeah. there's not a ton with that team. I know, and the, pretty much all of their more marquee players have been mentioned in possible trades too. So Fareed might move. Gallo seems to me, from everything I've heard, will definitely move one way or another. And then Will Barton could move too as teams try, or Denver tries to sell high on what he's done this season so far. I don't know. I think you know exactly what you're getting with Greg Monroe at this point in his career. He's he's going to be a really talented offensive post player. He's going to get you a bucket if you need one. Limited defensively and then limited as far as range goes when he's defending. He can't really step out. That was a huge problem with the Pistons because anytime we'd run into a, a stretch four, even if it was like Andre Bargnani, Monroe wouldn't be able to step out and guard him, and it was just a, a big problem. Obviously, having him and Andre in the middle kind of clogged it up. But Gallo, I have going to the Heat in part of a three-team trade that sends the Blazers' C.J. McCollum to the Heat as well. So the Heat get Gallo and C.J. McCollum. The Blazers get Hassan Whiteside and Chris the Birdman Anderson. And the Nugs get Luol Deng's expiring contract uh, Josh McRoberts and Mason Plumley from the Blazers. Blazers would ha- probably have to sweeten this. Well, no, they're sending McCollum, so that'd be about right. Yeah. Uh, so for me, this allows the Blazers to get a run at a potential superstar. Whiteside is really talented. He's kind of a space cadet personality-wise, but you know maybe he matures a little bit. But he's he's got a PR of like twenty four this season. Like, He's, he's just a, he's a good player one way or another. Just however you yeah, unpack st- it. Statistically, he's really good, and also you talk about his attitude a little bit. He has complained about uh, the way things are going in Miami, but he has not um, let his attitude affect his play. He's you know he said he's like, I'm gonna get traded or I'm gonna move on from Miami, but I'm gonna play my hardest here. That's a good point. And if you're gonna have somebody complain, you want them to complain that way. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then you know the Nuggets. Uh, free up a little bit of money, and then the Heat get C.J. McCollum and Gallo. So, who knows? Who knows? I like it. Um, yeah, I know. I know. C.J. McCollum's going to be a good player. So, the next player is David Lee. What do you think there? So, we actually have two players left, um, David Lee and Al Horford. Uh, possibly, one of the things I was looking at, and I like this a lot, actually, is David Lee in two first rounds uh, for Horford. I, too, went, I doubled up on our last two players here. Uh, however, I went Al Horford and Mike Muscala for Kenny, Kelly Olenek, David Lee, and then the uh, 2017 Brooklyn swap rights that Brook, uh, that Boston has. So next, next year's first-round pick, they have the option to swap with Brooklyn's first-round pick, which you would obviously do because Brooklyn's not yeah. going to do anything next year either. Uh, which basically gives Atlanta some uh, future aspirations and uh, considerations, rather. 
uh, I like it though. I think this Horford is the kind of piece that would fit with what uh, Stevens is trying to do in Boston. He's the kind of humble superstar that's not going to call too much attention to himself. I think it's another piece that Ainge is trying to put together that doesn't put them to Toronto, Cleveland quite, but it's it's close. It's close, and that team plays so well together that I, I don't think Horford would really mess up the chemistry or the continuity that's being developed there. I saw a lot of uh, Horford to the Pistons, you know, if they could figure that out, but I just don't see that. I think... I think with how Andre plays, I think that the four just has to be someone that shoots the lights out from three. Yeah. It's got to be an Ilyasova, Ryan Anderson, Marquise Morris, whoever it may be. Someone that can really stretch the floor. And, and Horford has a good shot, but, man, I, I think it'd be... I think I think they'd make it work. And Horford does a lot of other things well for you. Plays really good defense. So, man, that'd be, that'd be great. I don't know what they could put together to get out Horford. They'd have to do some fleecing of Atlanta, but who knows? All right, cool. Fun stuff. Uh, So next we're going to talk about the three bottom seeds of current playoff teams in both the East and West and try to pick one that could possibly make a run into the playoffs. So we'll start with the East. And Kyle, who did you pick in the East? Uh, So here's where I struggled because – the best team of these three to me is Charlotte, mm-hmm. but they're playing the Cavs. So I think it's Indiana. Yeah. I think Indiana, they've got a good, um, you know, they're pretty good defensively. You know, they're eighth in opponents points per game. They're 10th in uh, offensive points per game. And their offensive rating is a plus 2.4. So they've got, you know, this, that, and the other working for them. And the the one and two right now with Cleveland and Toronto are the only two teams that legitimately scare me. I mean, the seventh seed in the East right now is Chicago out yeah. of nowhere. You know, well, Jimmy, so Jimmy went down. You saw that, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. That's kind of disheartening. It <laughs> is. Especially for me, all the, all the hype I put around Jimmy Butler. We both did. That? We're both big yeah. Jimmy Buckets fans. Yeah. Well, get well soon, by the way. Yes. Uh, but but Indy, uh, Indy is my team out of the East. If I had to pick a bottom seed, it'd be Indianapolis. Yeah, that'd be kind of a no-brainer with how it's laid out right now. If the playoffs started today, they'd play the Celtics in the first round. And the Celtics would be favored, but not heavily. They could beat the Celtics in a seven-game series. And then they would go on to play the Raptors, which, again, the Raptors would be even more favored. But it wouldn't be a world-beating upset if they were to beat the Raptors either. So... Paul George, Paul George is playing really well. Yeah, he just like, plays really well, and the team just seems savvy. They've they've beaten the Pistons three out of four times this season, and it just seemed very casual. They didn't. It seemed like almost like an older brother that was playing the younger brother and was like letting him hang around and letting him hang around while you just knew that they were going to pull away at some point. That's how I felt when I was watching every Pacers game against the Pistons this season, except for the. The Pistons won one when they just put everything together. They're hitting shots and everything else. So I think the Pacers are, are better than what their roster will tell you. They're a little short in the front court. They have good wing play, but uh, you know that, I think that's by far the, the the team that could make the run in the East and probably in the West too. But we'll look at the West as well. Uh, who did you think in the West could make a run? Uh, nobody because yeah. of who they're playing. <laughs> because of who they're playing, I really do think the three best. Teams. Um, are the one, two, and three seed in the West right now with Golden State, San Antonio, and Oklahoma City. 
But if anybody was going to beat Oklahoma City, it would be Dallas. Um, Utah and Portland just do not have enough. To- no, they don't have enough bodies. Uh, I said Mavericks Putting it all together too. from beyond the three-point line, they could have a shot against Oklahoma City, but I, I wouldn't even put a dollar on that. To be there honest. would have to be an injury. There would have to be an injury to one of the big three of Oklahoma City, and still uh, I'm taking the Thunder by a margin. Uh, and then they would have to play the Spurs. So, <laughs> yeah. so I mean, it's it's t- I mean, but you know, weird things have happened. Dallas was supposed to run over Golden State in 08, and Baron Davis pulled it together. True. And the eighth seed took out the one seed. That's true. Uh, so you just I mean, the NBA playoffs aren't like the March Madness tournament. It, there's nothing that insane. Um, but it's the playoffs. Dirk has a lot of playoff experience, and this Oklahoma City team has been prone to injuries. Ibaka's been hurt all last season. KD, God forbid. So, you just never know. True. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Come. They would definitely be the team that could make a run, if anyone could. Uh, Okay, so last thing we're going to do, we're going to have some fun here. The NBA All-Star Weekend kicks off tomorrow night in Toronto, and Kyle and I are going to put some stakes on as we try to pick the winners here not not steaks like meat on a on a grill that's what it sounded like but actual odds and uh the loser of our how we set this up is going to have to what were we going to say here kyle and i are both kind of both bartenders and we're thinking that the loser has to take just the most awful conceivable shot in the world and there's some bad ones yeah, there's a bad ones. Obviously, we're not putting kerosene, you know, mixed with, you know, nothing burnets, too harmful. But yeah, um, you're gonna shred your liver, but not like your colon. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> all right. There's so, enough options. So what we're gonna do, and maybe we'll film next week's show at a bar or something like that. We could figure it out. But one way or another, at the show next week, we're going to get this just awful liquid into the into the show while we're filming it, and we'll we'll take it. One of us will take it while we're recording. So how we're going to set this up, we've got all of the events laid out, and we're going to pick the winners, and whoever has the most points at the end is going to be the winner. So we've got the Rising Stars and the Celebrity Game. We'll each pick a winner there. For the three-point, we're each going to pick two guys. If one of our guys wins, we get a point. Same thing for the Skills Competition. And then for the Dunk Competition, each one of us will pick one person. And then we'll uh, we'll pick an East West, uh, who wins the All Star game as well. All right. So starting with the Rising Stars, which is the format is the World Stars against the U S Stars. For the Worlds, you've got Bogdanovich, Clint Capella, Mario Hezonia, uh, Nikola Jokic, Trey Lyles, Manuel Mudiay, Chris Stapps, Porzingis, Dwight Powell, and Andrew Wiggins. For the U S, you got Jordan Clarkson, Rodney Hood, Zach Levine, Nerlens Noel. Jolo Okafor, Jabari Parker, Alfred Payton, D'Angelo Russell, Marcus Smart, Carl Anthony Towns. Kyle, I'll give you the honors. Who are you taking? Uh, honestly, I'm going to go with the World Stars. You know, normally uh, you get the U.S. against most teams throughout the, the rest of the world, and you would pick the U.S., but uh, I just want to be able to shout World Star <laughs> and uh, and have them come away with the victory in that one. I just wanted to pick the team with Kristaps Porzingis on it, so... I think you made the right choice. We'll see. All right, the celebrity game. 
The Canadian side is going to be coached by Drake. The U.S. side coached by four-time MVP of the Celebrity Game, Kevin Hart. So for Canada, you've got Stephen James, Wynn Butler, lead singer of the Arcade Fire, Drew and Jonathan Scott from Property Brothers on HGTV, Tracy McGrady, Rick Fox, some others. And then for the U.S., you've got Jason Sudeikis, Anthony Anderson, Nick Cannon, Chauncey Billups, Muggsy Bogues, Elena Deladon, uh, I'm going to pick for this one because I let you pick on the first one. I'm going to go with yeah. Team USA. Uh, Chauncey, just a winner. And Elena Deladon can just ball. Like, she can just ball. So I think you're in trouble on that one. Well, I want to tell you, I think Team Canada might have started from the bottom. But <laughs> now they're here. I think they'll start with zero, but probably get to 100 real quick. So topical, um, Kyle. And then you're going to call me on my cell phone. Uh <laughs> And, and apologize for picking Team U.S. I'm going to go with Team U.S. Oh, I see what you did there. I see what you did. <laughs> All right, so you're going to get your fir- first choice at the next one, which could be could be deadly. So we're moving on to the three-point competition. We've got Steph Curry. Have you have you heard of that guy? I don't I'm Who is this? Uh, he's, he's the road warrior, right? He's been around a little bit. Yeah. Okay, yeah. All right. Uh, James Harden, Clay Thompson, Chris Middleton. Kyle Lowry, J.J. Redick, Chris Bosh, and Devin Booker. Who's your first pick there? We're going to pick two uh, guys. Oh, I can't pick two guys at once? No. No. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Clay Thompson. Clay. Okay. Well, that's a really good one, but I'm going to go with Steph. Yeah, see, I just – I can't do it. <laughs> you work <were, laughs> you. <laughs> so much shade at Steph Curry. He's gonna, um, this is when he's literally going to beat you. I can't wait. My second pick, J.J. Redick. I like it. That's a good one. I love, He's on fire. I love J.J. Redick. You've got to think in these competitions, though, it's it's not as much uh, can a guy make a th- a, any given three. It's it's how quick the release is, too. That's huge because just the well, amount of shots you can get off is just really important, too. It's so, so funny that you bring that up because that's why I picked Clay. Because uh, so Simmons quick. just called his release the quickest he's ever seen. Yeah. Yeah, it's really quick. And uh, I was hoping to get either Steph or Clay, so I'm, I'm happy to get Steph. For my number two pick, ooh. Uh, tempted, tempted to take your boy, big game, James Harden Kardashian, but I'm going to take Kyle Lowry. I like it. Hometown it's a pick. Good deal. It is a good field. It should be fun. I hope Bosch makes a run. All right. So for the skills competition, we've got Patrick Beverly, Boogie Cousins, Draymond Green, Anthony Davis, C.J. McCollum, Carl Anthony Towns, Isaiah Thomas, and Jordan Clarkson. I'll let you have the honors again. No, you can go ahead and pick first. I'll pick first on the three points. First guy for the skills competition, I'm going to go Isaiah Thomas. I am going to go Draymond Green. Draymond? Uh-oh. You know what? That's probably a good pick. He just He's probably been practicing. He hates losing so much. You know, probably, yeah, you know. Man. Probably set up just, the course in his house and just like has been running it constantly. Uh, second, <laughs> I took a Isaiah. I took the smaller guy. Um, I think I'm going to stick with the smaller guy. I think they just have a big inherent advantage. I'm going to go CJ McCollum. 
Yeah, see, that was it was between CJ McCollum and Patrick Beverly for me. So you made that pick uh, pretty easy. Okay. I I like having one one big one one little. See how this goes. All right, leaving uh, the dunk contest and the All Star game. I'll uh, I'll give it to you. The dunk contest. Who's your first pick? Oh, are we just splitting the field for this one? Or are we just picking one? Just picking one. I, I thought that would be the best way to go. Yeah. Oh, man. Levine's a heavy favorite because he can jump through the roof. But I'm going to go Will Barton. Wow. Wild card. The one that no one is picking. <laughs> what I tell you? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to go the same direction. Not. I'm going to go Zach Levine. <laughs> because he's going to win. What oh, I do, I do hope that Andre puts together one really good dunk. You know why? Because we're from Detroit. Well, kind of, but basically, Fox Sports is going to show that dunk one trillion times. His best dunk, we're going to see for years. There hasn't been a piston in the, I don't think ever in the dunk competition. So they're going to take this dunk, and you're going to see it a lot. Yeah, so I hope sure. that it's just worthy and something I can watch. 500 times. East or West, Kyle? Oh, you're going to give me this one? Um, there's the West. Okay. There's no defense played. It's some of the best offense I've seen in my 21 years. About to be 22. Listeners, you know, if you want to send gifts or anything. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, this the offense from the West is so damn good. And there's no defense. Yes. I uh, actually... I would have gone with the East just because LeBron James plays for the East. But, you know. I mean, I, I play to win, so I don't let my heart decide. <laughs> oh, but, you know. never? You, you don't let your heart decide when you don't pick Steph Curry? That's <laughs> 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 your first pick in the three-point competition? Okay, well, sometimes I don't let my heart decide. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, everyone, have fun watching the All-Star festivities this weekend. We certainly will. And on the show next week, we're going to have some awful repercussions for the loser of our all-star predictions here. Yeah, we're actually going to have to do that at the end because if I win, <laughs> the shot the shot will actually take away your win pipes. So, oh god, uh, yeah. So we'll yes. we'll just have to we'll both get, be researching the most god awful, <laughs> gruesome shots out there over the next week, and uh, that'll be fun for next week's show. But. Thank you, everyone, for listening. As always, I'm Danny Bennett with Kyle Gearholtz, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening.